This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And Saturday morning greetings from College Station, Texas. The site of 7F Lodge, Ben Breakfast. Here for a couple of reasons. We'll tell you about them. Just spent three days at Real Outfitters in Fort McCavitt, Texas, chasing those Rio turkeys and uh, hunting with a rookie, Janice Lamont, who's here with us, and she's going to tell that story a little bit later on. But, Janice, what a nice place this is, 7F Lodge. It is awesome. They have eight beautiful cabins here for family and friends to stay. We're here for a wedding. It should be a lot of fun. Um, they have a great outdoor pavilion, an indoor uh, pavilion and reception hall, and a beautiful chapel outside with seating. Uh, so we're really looking forward to it. It's a beautiful place, nice and woodsy and just very home, homey feeling. You got a few deer walking around the grounds here. It might be a little tempting, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen those. I, I, I missed that. <laughs> I think they're part of the estate here. I don't think they want to lose them. Well, look, we were going to be really excited to hear your story. First time turkey hunter. We're going to be sewing that on Bayou Wild TV in one of our upcoming episodes. So uh, stick around for that. Janice will tell you all about her story. Uh, some of the other things we're going to be covering this morning, uh, those of you listening, our Alabama listeners. Uh, you got your state and federal red snapper season set up, and we'll give you the rundown on those. Uh, also, the amberjack season, getting ready to open back up in the Gulf of Mexico. That'll be next Saturday. I'll have some details on that. And as promised, we'll have the case of the Utah bad boy of the outdoors from California and tell you his story. But I'll tell you, right here in Louisiana, well, I say here in Louisiana while I'm in Texas, but Louisiana had no shortage of bad boy activities recently. We got a father and son that were busted for hunting turkeys over bait, a Slidell trio hunting illegally for deer, and a Lafayette couple who was possessing a gray wolf. What is that all about? Those are some of the future bad boy and girl episodes all right the live fishing reports they'll be coming from our field staff trying to help you find some place to fish today understand the weather's not the greatest back home we'll update that for you and another special guest joining us a little bit later on david cresson director of the cca louisiana he is going to join us to talk about house bill 535 you know it's legislative season as well as turkey season And there are some bills in the legislature that could affect you as a sports person, including this one. If it is passed, this will create a pogey, also known as Menhaden, in exclusion zones where the boats will not be allowed to operate. He'll tell us why it's necessary, and we're going to track this progress of this bill for the next several weeks. As far as your coastal marine forecast, uh, calling for some rainy weather. Small craft advisory, southwest winds 20 to 25 knots offshore. Is that accurate? I'm not sure. We'll find out from our field reporters. Tide range averages about 0.7. Mississippi River, I'm glad to hear this, 14 feet and falling. Uh, we don't need no stinking 
Bonnie Carey opening this year, hopefully. All right, so the stage is set. We'll be back to cover all these issues that you love to hear as we talk about it each and every Saturday morning. And we do it right here on The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. All right, again, we're at the 7F Lodge on College Station, Texas. The only thing I don't like about this, it's too much Aggie country around here. A lot of Aggies. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, it's a great place. Google it, 7F Lodge and Ben Breakfast. Let's talk to Robbie Campo, find out if that uh, weather report I'm getting here is accurate. Robbie, is it a blowing over there in Shell Beach this morning? Yeah, Don, it's blowing here. Uh, it's out the southeast. It's about a steady 10 miles an hour wind. 10, 12 mile an hour went out the uh, southeast. Um, you know, they talked about us having all this rain today, but, you know, from looking at the radar, from what I see this morning, uh, a lot of that rain is passing uh, above us, over, you know, towards, uh, you know, the north side of the lake over Slidell. I don't think we're going to get the, the, you know, the 60% chance of rain that, that uh, the weatherman was calling for. Um, I don't believe we're going to get that weather, but, Hey, you know, look, once the guy, once, you know, they make the forecast, that's usually how it works, and it just screws the rest of the day up. But um, I can tell you, you know, just from what I see, you know, look, I'm I'm not a meteorologist. I'm just a, I'm just a marina owner, you know. But from what I see, um, I think everybody's going to miss a pretty good day of fishing. Uh, water's up pretty good this morning, you know, so um, you wouldn't have any problems running around up in the marshes, but, yeah, you, you, you know how that goes, Don. Yeah, well, that's been a trend this spring is we've had a lot of the really bad stuff pass well to the north of it. Don't get me wrong, we've had our share of bad stuff down along the coast, but it, it might well be that we just kind of get that tail end of it and it moves through earlier than predicted. And, you know, Robbie, there's a lot of fishermen that have been burned over the years, you know, because, look, meteorologists are not infallible. They got a tough job, and sometimes they get it wrong. And there's a lot of people who say you got to go to Noah, and they don't cancel their plans to the last minute. Sometimes they'll even take the drive down there. The worst can happen is you turn around and leave if it's just completely out of the question. But it may be one of those mornings where you could salvage it. Uh, before this came up, I understand they had a pretty nice stretch back home. What happened during the week? Well, you know, Don, this this week here, again, you know, uh, weather weather played a big part of the fishing this week. Um, you know, a lot of the guys struggled this week. It was you always get that one or two guys that you go out there and they and they limit out. You know, and it, you know it, it's going to happen. I mean, so but for the most part, um, you know, I'm telling you straight from the hip, shooting straight from the hip here. That, you know, a lot of the guys struggled this week. It was, it, you know, even our guides, uh, you know, didn't do all of that all that great. Um, most of them fished redfish this week, this past week. Um, you know, the the trout. The trout bite was just a, you know, just a hard it's a struggle right now. But they did catch some fish this week. Uh, you know, we, we had some people go to the Long Rocks out there, and they and they fished the Long Rocks, and they did pick up some trout on the Long Rocks. They picked up some trout on the backside of the dam. They picked up some speckled trout on this side of the dam, along with some white trout. Uh, they had a few specks caught in the lake along the eastern shoreline um, uh, of Lake Barn. But, uh, but again, Don, you know, it's, you know, Weather plays a big part of this whole deal, and but you know, like I said, there's always that one or two guys, you know, behind Delacro over here toward Four Horse, um, you know, in the Garig, and you know, in places, you know, Bay Lafourche. They did catch some trout back that back in that area along with redfish, but 
um, you know, like I said, you always hit one or two guys that, that you know, uh, that catch fish when nobody else can, you know. Um, Mr. Kim, Mr. Kim the better. He's probably, you know, he's this guy. He's he's a legend, man. <laughs> he he catches twenty five fish like every time when he goes out. Uh, you know, the guy the guy's incredible. You know, he catches he catches fish, but you know, again, that's that one guy. You know, one or two guys. But um, you know, for the most part, most of our most of our people struggled this week. It's been it's been kind of tough. So, what are the prospects for someone? Looking for live bait this weekend. Well, that I, I tell you, Don, the, the bait situation is tough. Um, we've been trying, and they're just not there yet. You know, you go out there, we're running, um, you know, running all the way out to, uh, to just about the long rocks, fishing, you know, trying to shrimp out that way, and they're just not there yet. I mean, you know, we've been through the marsh. Um, I went myself, you know, one boat went one way, one went the other. Uh, the shrimp are just not in yet, um, and, and they very, you know, I don't have any for this weekend. You know, Michael went and tried Thursday, I believe it was, uh, yeah, it was Thursday, and you know, he run out there and he didn't get home till late and wound up with like a uh, a thousand shrimp. You know, it's, it's they, I mean, you know, just not showing up yet. I, I think all of these cold fronts, you know, it keep coming down. It's, it's kept these shrimp pushed out. The brownies are starting to show up. They're really, really, really small yet. So you know that's not that's not even doable to put on a hook yet. They, they grass shrimp size. So um, it's just it's gonna it's gonna happen, Don. It's just gonna be a couple weeks. Uh, but we do have dead shrimp on hand, you know. Uh, and there's very few marinas that have live shrimp. So if you're looking for live shrimp this morning, we don't have any. Start making some phone calls because there's I think Bait Incorporated might have had just a couple thousand um i you know i don't believe you know you're gonna you're gonna be successful finding live shrimp for this uh for this weekend that you know it, it, it's just been tough well hopefully that'll change because as we get into may you know boy, that's getting into prime trout time and people looking for that and i'm sure you know the weather will change and allow people to get out there like you you guys and, and catch the bait shrimp and have them readily available you know for some reason uh, you know other other places they, they use live cockahoes but for some reason those things just don't seem to be effective down by you i'm sure fish would eat them but it's just not a popular bait in, in that area well it's not only it's not a popular, we can't even catch them around here anymore don you know, a, a cockahoe is a saltwater is a saltwater minnow, um, and and you know since they put the dam up and freshened this whole area up around here, these cockahoes just don't stay in this in these parts, um, and and they and they really hard to catch too. They, you know, it, you know you got to run so far out, you know, almost on the edge of the marshes out there to find them. Um, and that, that's been you know I know some guys that still fishing minnows and they and it's been a struggle for them to get them, uh, you know. But hey. Look, nobody wants live bait here more than I do. Believe me, <laughs> believe me. My, my pocketbook is feeling it right I now. Understand. So I'm, what I'm telling you, I need I them here. I want them here worse than these guys do. Believe me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that they would have showed up this week. You know, this week here, but it just hasn't happened yet. You know, but it's gonna happen. They're gonna show up. It just, it, it's just, it's a mother nature thing, bro, and you just can't. You know, it, it just you're gonna you're gonna have to wait till you know they decide to show up. That's it. 
Well, like your grandpa used to say, man, you got to use them plugs until we get some live bait, you know, them plugs. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. got to use the plugs. That's exactly uh, right. That's that exactly was his words. Right. Correct. Uh, but if anybody's coming out this morning, look, hook the left. Come on and see us. We're here. But, you know, it's ready for you. Robbie's always got a smiling face, right, Robbie? Absolutely. No, Come on no comment. You it. hesitated on that one. <laughs> no, no. I, right. Look, I'm smiling whether I'm smiling whether I have it or not. I just want somebody to come fishing, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, hook the left. Come on down and see us. We're going to get you going. Sounds good. Okay, Rob. Thanks for the report, my friend. We'll see you next week. Uh, all right, Don. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye, bye. All right, Robbie Campo, grandson. Uh, I'm talking about Blackie Campo, his grandfather, who founded the business. And uh, boy, Blackie is a true. Legend and Robbie following in his footsteps. All right, when we come back after this, going to get to your text messages if you want to send us one. They come live to our remote studio, 504-260-1870. Where are you? Who are you? What you doing? Got a report to share, a question, a comment? We love to hear from our listeners, 504-260-1870. And we'll be back from the 7F Lodge in College Station, Texas, right after this. All right, uh, back here at the 7F Lodge and Bed and Breakfast in College Station. Got a wedding. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. B.J. Broadhurst, uh, Danielle, they will be uh, taking their wedding vows uh, later this evening. And, uh, boy, what a great facility this is. Google it. Take a look at it. Uh, what a venue for uh, catering for parties or receptions, weddings. They've got a little chapel. It's set out in the woods, and they've got individual cabins where all the guests can stay in one place. Well, it's a great setup over here. All right, uh, let's see. We're going to get to some text messages here. And uh, see, we have our mad trucker, who is one of our regulars listening. You know, last week, uh, Martha was on one week with me. She was commenting about the different names that uh, some of our regular listeners have. And I was starting to develop a list. It's getting pretty extensive. So uh, we'll refer to them like the mad trucker. And the next guy up is Justin. We've got two Justins. We've got Justin the duck hunter. And we've got Justin, who lives in the Gentilly Wildlife Refuge. And he's telling us he was watching Bayou Wild TV this morning. And he remembers seeing a peregrine falcon perched on a telephone pole. He took a picture of her. I wonder how he knew it was a female. She returned the following year. Yeah, those peregrines are are very interesting. I have seen them uh, knock waterfowl out. Uh, That's one of the ones that, that basically preys on waterfowl. But on Bayou Wild TV... Uh, it's called uh, Eyes and Noses. We have the eyes of some birds of prey, hawks, uh, owned by falconers, and one of them, Todd George. He and I reunited. Uh, Todd and I did a, a falcon hunting feature, oh, over 20 years ago. And we did one recently uh, with his new bird and some of his friends, and you need to check that out. Uh, it's an ancient sport. It's been going on now for thousands of years. Man, bird, uh, sometimes they'll use a dog. Uh, very interesting, but it's a lot of hard work and not the easiest thing to get into. Uh, that's part of it. And then Paul and Rocky Couget uh, from down in the parish, St. Bernard, they are expert dog deer tracking experts. They train dogs to track deer, and we did a little feature with them and kind of showcased that. All right, someone says that voice is finally clearing up. Well, it, it, you know, if you've been listening regularly, you know I've had some issues with voice. It's coming back slowly, 
And But it's not there yet, but it's on the way. And thank you for that kind comment. All right, and we have the Backstrap Stacker, another one of our regulars. He's checking in over in Mobile, Alabama, where they have another rainy Saturday over there. Nothing but chocolate milk colored water. Hopefully the water will be better for speck fishing by mid-May. Another good morning to knock out some of those honeydews. Okay, and let's see, we've got some more texts coming in. 504-260-187. This is another regular, the Irish Coonass. What a combination. He says, glad you're feeling better. I never felt bad. That's what's the, the, the really confusing thing about this voice issue. Uh, it doesn't hurt. Nothing hurts. I've been doing everything regular. Just difficult to talk. All right, it says, got your show on in the shop. We all love it. Devoted listeners in Alabama. We are glad to have you guys over there on Talk FM 106.5. All right, uh, when we come back after this uh, next time out, in fact, let me tell you a little bit more about uh, Bayou Wild. This Monday, we are going to be at our home away from home, Etouffee Restaurant, Authentic Cajun Cuisine. It's on Highway 190 in Covington. Uh, we get there around 11. We stay till 1 or 2 o'clock. We do some taping. We greet and talk uh, fishing and hunting with some of our listeners who enjoy a great lunch. So come on over and see us. We'll be there this Monday. We're normally there two Mondays a month. They have our schedule. They can tell you when we'll be there. Martha and Chris will join me there. And I highly recommend the Don Dubuque Special. I'm not going to tell you what it is if you don't know, but uh, believe me, you won't be disappointed if you order it. All right, when we come back after this, uh, one of our guests will be joining us, David Cresson, CCA Louisiana, talking about House Bill 535 in the legislature, doing something that may have been needed for a long time, creating pogie fishing exclusion zones. Back with David right after this time out. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And welcome back to our broadcast from the 7F Lodge in College Station, Texas. Uh, joining us this morning is David Cresson, the director of the Louisiana Coastal Conservation Association. Good morning, David. Hey, Don. Good to be with you this morning. Yes, it is. Good to hear your voice. David, uh, you guys at CCA are supporting House Bill 535, uh, something that a lot of sportsmen and fishermen are going to be interested to hear because for years there's been a lot of ongoing complaints, uh, things that people have seen about some bycatch issues, some coastal erosion issues. So explain what the, the problem is with the Manhattan pogie fishing industry. It's, a, it's really a good industry. It brings in a lot of money. It's very valuable. But at the same time, it, it may need just a little bit more regulation to uh, coexist with some of the other activities along the coast. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, Don. So, you know, as you said, for the last few years especially, but, but really for years uh, on end, we've had uh, we, we've had some user conflict issue with this uh, with this industry. The Menhaden industry is is sort of the uh, the uh, the more technical term, but we call it the pogie boats, and uh, they're the the big blue boats you see out off of our shorelines, uh, and they catch uh, an enormous amount of pogies. Uh, in in the Gulf of Mexico, the harvest for pogies is about 1.1 billion pounds on average. That's billion with a B. Um, and about 85 or 90% of that comes right off of Louisiana's coast. So the, the, Gulf, the Gulf harvest is almost entirely taken from Louisiana. 
yet we're the only state in the Gulf without any buffer zone whatsoever off of our shoreline. We're one of the only states in the entire in the uh, in the entire country that allows this sort of reduction fishing at all. Uh, and it's curious that we have such little regulation of it when so much of it's being taken from our coast. And so we've heard a lot about it because of sort of the user conflicts, these uh, the purse seine boats that, that are released from the bigger boats, encroaching pretty closely onto recreational boaters and fishermen. Uh, but really what, what it comes down to is this is a conservation issue. This is a, uh, this is a concern about an enormous amount of very, very critical, maybe the most critical forage fish in the sea uh, being taken from so close to our shorelines where, where, where it's so necessary to so many other species. I mean, not just the speckled trout and the redfish that you and I like to catch so much, uh, but ev- almost every other fish in the sea eats eats a pogey, uh, not just fish, but birds and and coastal mammals and so on and so forth. This fish is so important. There's a there's a famous book out there in the fisheries world called The Most Important Fish in the Sea. And if, if your listeners hadn't read it, I would tell them to go t- go pick it up. It's a it's a short, easy read, but it's it, it talks about how important. A menhaden is to the, the coastal ecology and all the the biological processes that happen on uh, on the in, in the Gulf and in the ocean. So, for us, this is very much uh, a, a conservation issue. Uh, these fish should absolutely be managed like a forage fish. They should be managed not just for the menhaden population, but for the for the well-being of all the species that that feed on it and right now we have nothing like that we allow this enormous enormous take uh, of of this very important fish with very very little regulation and we think that uh, we think that something needs to needs to happen to change that well, David, uh, we're going to take a quick 10-second pause, and when we come back, uh, there's a lot of species that are directly affected through bycatch, which the biologists say is at an allowable rate, but there's another whole side of this. We're trying to rebuild and save our coast, and there's some things that are working contrary to that, so I'd like you to talk about that, too. So we'll be back yes, to sir. do that right after we pause these 10 seconds for our local stations to identify themselves along the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And we're talking this morning with David Cresson, Louisiana Coastal Conservation Association, about a bill in the legislature in Louisiana, House Bill 535. We'll get into that in the next segment about the bill itself. But, David, uh, some of the bycatch species, of course, redfish, a lot of people have seen, you know, a lot of dead redfish floating, and that's mm-hmm. just, you know, part of the, part of the, uh, I guess you'd call that collateral damage. Uh, but also right. the croakers, uh, shrimp, striped mullet, catfish, mm-hmm. Speckled trout, a lot of species are caught, and we're well aware of that. Besides the fact that their 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 food source is being depleted by the menhaden that are being removed, but talk about the coastal erosion aspect of what these boats are doing when they get really close to some of our areas that are under restoration projects. Yeah, sure. I mean, the the state has spent billions and billions of dollars rebuilding these beachheads across the entire coast, and you've got these enormous boats with enormous nets. This is a very, very industrialized style of fishing. Uh, 175, 180-foot head boats ship, you know, ships basically that release 
two smaller boats that encircle these enormous schools of, of Menhaden with their Persane net. These Persane nets are, uh, are huge. Uh, they encircle the, the, the school of Menhaden and everything else that's, that's there with them. Uh, and then they, you know, they, they tighten that Persane down. The, the big ship then pulls up next to the net full of fish and they put a, an enormous sucker, ho- uh, sucker hose down into the net and suck up everything that's in that net. Um, when, when, when you're a quarter mile from the shoreline, you know this in Louisiana, you're in five or six feet of water almost everywhere. These boats draft eight to 10 to 13 feet of water. Um, and so somebody's going to have to explain to me how a boat drafting 13 feet of water that's fishing in six feet of water is not damaging uh, our, our critical coastline that we work so hard to, to restore. So that's certainly a part of this. The bycatch that you just mentioned is absolutely a part of this. Yes, they, they will tell you that their bycatch levels are, are relatively fine when it comes to you know the percentage of weight that's bycatch maybe it's two or three percent which doesn't sound uh, all that bad compared to some other fisheries but uh, i'm not a mathematician don but if you do two to three percent of a billion you're now talking about 20 30 40 50 million pounds of bycatch and like you mentioned a second ago that's speckled trout redfish shrimp croakers catfish uh, mullet on down the line that uh, that are caught up in these nets and, and in many cases chewed up and and ground down with the, with the menhaden. In other cases, they're kicked off the side of the boat already dead. Uh, we've we've heard cases of of the bull reds that are kicked off the side of the boat where the bellies have been cut so they'll sink so nobody sees them. Uh, these aren't things we're making up, and these are not just things that CCA alone is concerned about there are other organizations across the country and across the gulf that that are uh, really paying attention to these two pieces of legislation uh, and and honestly feel like a buffer zone is is a, a, a first step to to bringing some accountability and some appropriate management to this fish and it, people across the coast are really really concerned about this we've done our polling work uh, across our coastal parishes the numbers are overwhelming that the average louisiana citizen wants to see something done about this done david we're going to take a break we'll come back we'll talk about representative ogeron's bill House Bill 535 and what it hopes to accomplish and why. We're talking with CCA Director David Cresson from Louisiana. We'll be back to continue that conversation. If you'd like to chime in with a text message, we're getting a few of those in, and that's at 504-260-1878. We're back with more right after this. And we have with us this morning a special guest, David Cresson, Director of Louisiana Coastal Conservation Association. We're talking about an issue that a lot of you sportsmen have been concerned about for a number of years, and that is the putting a little bit tighter regulations on the pogey or menhaden fishery. David, I had a really good question. came in from one of our listeners and says, what are over a billion pounds of these fish used for? Very logical question. Uh, as far as I know, they're used in processing uh, very oily fish for fertilizers and mm-hmm. cat foods and dog foods. What other uses of yeah. the pogey? 
Yeah, you you, you really kind of na- nailed it right there, Don. The, the majority of it is used for animal feed of different sorts. It's used in agricultural feed like uh, for pigs and chickens, uh, which, of course, is very important. We uh, It's certainly used in dog foods and cat foods. Uh, an emerging market for this product is the the growing aquaculture industry. So it's sent up into the the northeast, port, uh, excuse me, the northwest parts of the country, and used on salmon farms and and so on. Of course, that is a growing industry, an industry that I think uh, you'll continue to see more and more of those those fish farms pop up. And so the, there will be a, an increasing demand for this fish over time, whereas some of the uses for it have been synthesized and, and, uh, and, and you can use alternative methods to, to come up with uh, the, the product you need. It's, fishing the way that they fish them is still the cheapest, most efficient way to get this, get this product. And so most of it is animal feed, but there are some human consumptions of it and omega, omega oils, et cetera. Uh, and so that's the majority of it. And uh, almost all of it that's harvested in the Gulf of Mexico is coming in the very near shore areas from Louisiana. And so we should be concerned. I mean, this don't make any mistake. This is a Louisiana issue. They're not catching them in Florida. They don't catch them in Alabama. They, they allow it a little bit in Texas, but their catch limit is so low that they really don't fish them over there. And Mississippi has its own processing plant. But guess where those boats come to catch their fish? They come right into Breton Sound. Uh, they're, they're, they're catching hundreds of millions of pounds of fish, and then they take those fish right back to Mississippi with Mississippi jobs and process those fish in Mississippi uh, where Louisiana gets no economic benefit at all. So uh, it's, it, it is an important product, and we're not at all trying to put these guys out of business. What we think is important, though, is that our very near shore areas, our surf zones here in Louisiana, are protected because there's so many critical life processes uh, and hydrological processes that happen in that very near shore area. And that's what these two pieces of legislation try to address. Yeah, David, I just got a couple of minutes left in the segment. Uh, tell us the, the, the meat of House Bill 535 by Representative Ogeron and what sportsmen should do if they agree with um, in, in putting in these exclusion zones. Yeah, no doubt. So House Bill 535 is by Representative Joe Ogeron, who's from down Homa area. He's a very good man, very smart man, a Ph.D. Uh, scientist himself. And uh, he has proposed a bill. Really, Don, after after almost a year of us trying to compromise with the industry on some reasonable regulation and re- and coming up short on that, uh, Representative Ogeron has proposed a bill that would create a one-half-mile buffer zone across the entire Louisiana coast with some extra buffer around uh, Timbalier, Elmer's, uh, and Grand Terre, and then with a three-mile buffer outside of Grand Isle. And so... Uh, the half mile uh, is a great first, uh, great first step. The mile around Elmer's and extra around Grand Isle is certainly very, uh, very, uh, very good. And so we believe Representative Ogeron's bill does present a reasonable uh, buffer with a with a, a step towards compromise in this fishery. There's another bill by Representative Cormier out of Plaquemines, uh, and whereas his bill. Uh, we appreciate the effort he's made here. It, it only allows for a quarter mile of buffer through most of the coast. 
And again, as I mentioned earlier, Don, you've been off the coast. You could, you can, uh, you can wade fish at a quarter mile in many places across the coast. It's very shallow. These boats have no business being in that five or six feet of water zone. Uh, and uh, again, where we appreciate Representative Cormier's effort here, uh, a quarter mile is just not going to cut it for uh, for our conservation methods. So, what I would tell your listeners, Don, is uh, to follow CCA on social media for now. You can go to our Facebook page at CCA Louisiana uh, at CCA Louisiana. Go to our Twitter account at CCA Louisiana. Instagram. This week, you're going to start seeing a lot of information come out about this. We'll have a we'll have a landing page that'll bring you to a website that gives you all the information you need. Need it'll allow you to sign up and get updates on this. Uh, again, it won't just be CCA on this effort. It'll be lots of other organizations. Uh, we're working very closely with the Charter Boat Association here in Louisiana, who are doing great work uh, to uh, to try and bring some reasonable regulation on this this industry. So I would tell your listeners. Uh, if they're not already CCA members, to go follow us on social media. And starting Monday, you're going to see some uh, some real information coming out with all the facts and with all of our ideas about how this should move forward. Very good. David, thanks for joining us. And uh, throughout this session, we'll be checking in with you periodically to get updates on the bill, uh, progress, and maybe any amendments uh, that are offered or what the final outcome is going to be. We appreciate you getting involved in it. And thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you, Don. We'll talk to you soon. All right. That is David Cresson, Executive Director, Coastal Conservation Association of Louisiana. When we come back, Darrell Carpenter joins us. We'll get a Grand Isle report. He's had a little experience dealing in and around pogey boats. We'll get his comments on that. And yours, too, at our text board, 504-260-1870. We're back right after these messages. I want to thank you for all the texts that are coming in. Uh, a lot of those in regard to this issue we're talking about, pogey boat fishing, and we'll get to those later. But right now, Darrell Cap- Carpenter joins us. Uh, he's with the realscreamers.com out of Grand Isle. Darrell, in the time we have, uh, maybe you can give us a quick report on Grand Isle fishing. Uh, the trout fishing starting to pick up as we head towards the latter part of spring and summer. But I know you've had some issues and dealings in and around pogey boats in your area. Tell us uh, your opinion on this. Uh, my opinion is we need at least that half mile. Uh, when you when you talk to the when you talk to the charter boat guys, they're they're the radicals on this one. They want they want as much as three miles. When you talk to all of our folks, and you've talked to Ryan Lambert and all about this too, um, it, it's time. It's time for a buffer zone to come up. And I, you know, I am hung up a lot on the bycatch issue and stuff. True. Everything y'all talked about are, are legitimate points. You know, the the number of fish taken out, the ecological damage you know, that could or could not be being done to these shorelines and stuff. But we're out there every day, and we see the next day what's left. After, you know, when all these fish come to floating, and and they start talking about you know when, when we've been in these meetings with them for the last year, they start talking about only two percent of it is bycatch, blah blah blah. I and mean, you got to remember how that's counted. That's counted by the number of dead that are floating at the time of the net set and the number of dead that may get sucked up into the boat, which they've got grates on their hoses to keep them from getting sucked up in the boat. These studies are several years old, and they don't account for anything that's released dead in the net prior to it reaching that boat. So, you know, by the time they smother all these fish and strangle all these fish that are in our coastal zone, you know, we see them the next day. I mean, the boat's in the background, and we've got just hundreds and hundreds of dead bull reds and bull drum and, 
and sharks and everything else just floating dead in their trail. So, you know, we believe it's an issue. We, we're right there. CCA took the lead on this one. We're really happy for that. But we're right there with them. And I think a half mile is, is at least a half mile is mandatory. Darrell, I've got someone texting that these boats cannot work in less than 13 feet of water. But I have seen them, I promise you, in a lot shallower water than that. Well, and that's part of the argument. And, you know, during during one of our arguments, they claim that 30% of their sets are within a quarter of a mile of the coast. That's a that's an old 1980, or um, no, I'm sorry, it's not that old, but it's a very old study it, that shows a plot map that shows, you know, supposedly 30% of their sets are within a quarter of a mile of the coast. Well, I mean, you can, knowledge tells you they're digging a trench to get in there. And we've all seen it. We've seen their purse boats get almost all the way up into the, into the breakers themselves. And they claim that the net's so heavy, they can't drag it out to the mothership. The mothership has to come to it. So they're obviously, you know, they're digging trenches through there to, to come in and, and reach that net. Um, but yet when you, when you argue some of this study with them, they say, oh, then the study's wrong. Now the study's wrong. That's the same study that says they only have a 2% bite yet. You know, so, you know. It's 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 the same thing as Red Snapper. They're using the best available science, and we know what that's worth. Right. Darrell, we just got about a minute left. Give me the one best spot you would send people to fish this weekend in Grand Isle. <laughs> to the gas pump. Because I could, I, could pay, <laughs> yeah. I could cut I could cut and paste Robbie Campo's report on us. You've got to be willing to burn the time, burn the gas, looking for clean water. Water's been cold. Water's been muddy. Water's been choppy. And you just, when you find clean water, you're going to find some trout. They're there. It's just so dirty, they're hard to find on now. Got it. Thanks, Darrell. Appreciate your reports as always. Thank you. All right, coming up after the top of the hour break, uh, Janice Lamont, a rookie turkey hunter, is going to tell her first turkey hunting experience here in Texas. We also got a bad boy who killed an elephant seal, more fishing reports, and your text messages. We'd love to hear from you. We're back. And welcome back into hour number two of our show live from the 7F Lodge in College Station, Texas, uh, Aggie Land, it's also known as. Still to come, I'm going to tell you that bad boy, the outdoor story. A guy killed an elephant seal. He couldn't explain why. Maybe you can. Also, we got more fishing reports for you. You Alabama, be around listening because uh, red snapper seasons have been set both for state and federal waters. I'll give you the rundown on that. Also in the Gulf, the amberjack season opens up next weekend. We'll talk more about that. But right now, I'm going to talk to a special guest who is joining us, Janice Lamont, uh, who came up here to Texas. We went to Real Outfitters Lodge. Uh, Janice was, has been getting into hunting. She got a little bit of a late start in life on hunting, but she's really come on. She's done some pheasant hunting, duck hunting, and she got to try her hand at turkey hunting. And Janice, uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I am in the way it finally turned out. But there is some really good news about how the hunt went, some of the things you did, some of the things you learned. And really, there was just one piece of the puzzle missing, but you still got time to do that. Tell us from a rookie standpoint about wild turkey hunting. What did you learn? What did you experience? And what would you say to someone that's never done it before? Well, it was it was a pretty exciting adventure. Um it what I learned. Uh, patience. It's a good. It's a good way to sit in a blind and just relax a little bit. But just spotting the turkeys, watching them come up, making sure that you're getting the right bird, not the young birds, that sort of thing. Well, I managed to call four birds in uh, on our first afternoon, and you got to take a shot at them. 
Um, tell me what that felt like, because I don't know how long it took, and we do have some video of this, which will be on Bayou Wild, but it was very intense. You could hear the whispering back and forth. The birds were coming. They're looking. You had four pairs of eyes 25 steps away from us. What was your feeling like when that was going on? <laughs> well, it was pretty exhilarating. So when the birds, Don was calling the birds in, and we were watching them walk in, and I kept wanting them to get closer and closer. But I will say my heart was pounding. <laughs> I mean, it was really pounding, and and uh, I just couldn't wait to kind of. But you have to be very careful how you bring the gun up. You don't want to make any sudden movements, that sort of thing. So you know, trying to control that while your heart's pounding, pounding away, and then and of course, should I tell him I, t- I took a shot, missed him, and it was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then they flew off quickly, I tell you. So that was a little disappointing. Well, you will appreciate it so much more. But I, I got to compliment you on your sportsmanship ethics. The following day, and I know how badly you wanted to get your first turkey, you passed up five shots opportunities on other birds yeah yeah and you know that that's disappointing but at the same time they were very young birds and so you got to let them mature let them repopulate the turkey population and uh but it was great just to watch them i really enjoyed sitting there and just watching how they act how they react calling them in that was the most interesting part so. yeah i don't know if there's too much more exciting than hearing that gobble because yeah, he oh. just gets up there and lets that out and says, "Here I am, come and get me." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, and what was what was really fun also is that when you did the turkey call and they answered back, that was really kind of cool. I enjoyed that. Well, you're learning the call. You're doing pretty good with the box. You're doing okay with the slate. Now, your diaphragm calling needs a little work, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I understand I need to go to kindergarten for that. So. You're not ready to give a demonstration on air yet, are you? I, I, wouldn't even, I couldn't even get anything out at that point. So. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Enjoyed the hunt with you. We'll look forward to showcasing some of it on an upcoming Bayou Wild episode. And getting you back out there, it's a short season, but uh, there's always one every year. And That turkey will come sooner or later. I'm looking forward to it. All right. That's Janice Lamont, rookie turkey hunter. If you've never taken up the sport, uh, you ought to consider it. There's nothing like it. All right, we come back after this. uh, Born on the Bayou, Captain Mike Gallo joins us with his report on Lakes Pontchartrain, Lake Catherine, uh, Lake Bourne, and the Biloxi Marsh area. He's next on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. And our Born on the Bayou report with Captain Mike Gallo is a service of CETO, $179 for a whole year membership. You will get unlimited fuel drops, 24-7 tow-ins, jump starts for electrical problems, whatever it takes to get you back to the dock safely. CETO is your AAA on the water. Peace of mind for you and your loved ones. One phone call away. Call Captain Chris, 504 501-4545 301-4545 or click com and you can purchase online. Captain Mike, how are you doing this morning? I am doing fine, Don. It's a good thing the way I feel is not um, dictated by the weather because I'd be feeling terrible. Yeah, uh, I hear that it's not good small craft advisory up, but uh, Robbie seems to think there may be a little light at the end of the tunnel that that frontal system may pay the worst of it pass to the north of us, but it's going to leave us with some dirty water and wind. How's the fishing been this week, earlier during the week? Kind of the same story? My, my report is very similar to uh, Robbie's. Uh, the opportunities that we did get a chance to go out, we had productive catches. 
some of the other captains that braved the high winds did catch some fish. There's fish by the bridges. The bad thing is we, we just can't get to them and, you know, have a decent day because of the weather. So it's a bit frustrating to know that they're there and not able to go out there and get them as often as we would like. Well, Mike, uh, have you had any issues or opinion about the charter boat issue we were talking about earlier? You mean the pogey boats? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the pogey boats on uh, every once in a while in the summer. I'll make the long run out to the eastern edge of the Biloxi Marsh. And just like Daryl was saying, we'll see them out there. And, you know, there's several of them, and there's spotter planes to help them spot the pogies. And uh, they certainly leave a lot of dead redfish and speckled trout, many other types of fish in their wake. And the thing that's really damaging about that is they're killing those fish during the spawn. You know, if it's August, redfish and speckled trout are spawning simultaneously. And, you know, that's just double trouble. You kill them before they get a chance to drop their eggs. And uh, from what I understand, the pogey boats gather about 70% of their catch further offshore than the buffer zone we're proposing. So it's not a huge adjustment for the pogey boats. Like David said, we're not trying to put them out of business. Not at all. We're just trying to work, you know, with them where everybody's happy. And um, hopefully we can get a buffer zone, get them to um, adhere to the buffer zone and, you know, respect it. And we can all we can all get along, as they say. Mike, uh, once this weather clears through enough to get access, given the time of year and your experience, where would you say would be some good areas to hit? You know, you're still kind of hanging into those late winter spots or you're moving more towards early summer spots. Yeah, it's definitely transition period. Um, you know, once the weather clears, I, I went across Lake, Lake Pontchartrain yesterday going into the city for a crawfish boil with my wife, and I was surprised at how far the, the clear water extended out. It was probably two miles or more from the North Shore where you still had nice green water. It was fairly windy, but it was good green water. I could see that it was nice and clean water. By the time we got to the south shore, the water was not near as clean on that side. And this wind that we've had this morning will certainly dirty up the water in areas, but on the leeward shorelines and around the grass beds, that water is going to be clean. And a lot of those fish are going to hang out around those grass beds anyway because that's where your small shrimp and bait fish are going to, you know, try to hide out from being eaten by the bigger fish, the predators. So, you know, it all kind of fits together. Wrigley's Pass itself has a lot of opportunities to fish in. It just doesn't get fished. You know, the bridges sort of attract a lot of people's attention. But Wrigley's Pass itself has some great structure in it, sand bottoms, hard bottoms. It's got grass beds, drop-offs, little drains and trenasses. So there's quite a bit of structure that produces fish in Wrigley's Pass. Those will be areas, and, you know, we're having bad weather now, but we've got all of May 
that are generally productive. And I heard you talking earlier about the spillway, and it, it doesn't look at this point that the spillway is going to be opened, and that's certainly going to be a positive for, you know, our speckled trout catches. So we still got quite a bit of time to catch speckled trout. We just we want every minute we can, and the weather is getting in the way of that. Mike, uh, over the years that we've been doing reports together, we've watched that bass population in that what used to be a strictly brackish or saltwater area really grow. Are there enough bass in that area now to where when saltwater may be blown out, you can still salvage a trip by catching strictly bass and target them? Oh, yes. I've salvaged several trips over the years. Maybe I should say many trips over the years with bass. You know, it's the same story. You look at the forecast, and you might be communicating with your customer that's driving from North Mississippi or, you know, several hours away. And when they get here, they certainly don't want to hear, oh, we can't go, the weather's bad. And at least we could provide them options. The marsh along the intercoastal waterway has quite a bit of bass in it, and they'll certainly hit a variety of lures, plastic worms, spinnerbaits, when live bait is available, they'll certainly eat pogies or live shrimp. So they're not really hard to feed, and they're quite plentiful, and they're very tasty. So, um, yes, to answer your question, yes, we've used bass as an option when we couldn't get to our target species and saved quite a few trips that way. Mike, we've got a direct link to your site from mine if people want to get you in that fashion. But I know May is a busy month. If somebody wants to check your schedule and get a trip in, maybe a stay at the Spots and Dots Lake House Lodge, tell them the other ways to get you. Well, we'd be very happy to accommodate anybody that we can looking to go out for a good time. You can find me at aaofla.com. We're on social media under Angling Adventures, or you can call us on the reliable telephone, which is 985-781-7811. All right. We'll talk next week, Captain Mike. Thank you for your report as always. Sounds good, Don. Hopefully we have a more positive report. (laughs) Yeah. All right. There he goes. Born on the Bayou's Mike Gallo. Coming up next, those of you who like to get in a pirogue or a kayak and paddle for your fish, Captain Eric Mohabarak's got some suggestions and advice. He is next, right after this. And it's time for our Paddler's Report with the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club. It is a presentation of Massey's Outfitters. You're going to find them in Mid-City of New Orleans, Baton Rouge, and Covington. They've got the best kayak fishing models like Hobie, Jackson Kayak, Native Watercraft. You can see them all on the website. And don't forget about those demo days where you can ride before you buy. And you can see them at MasseyOutfitters.com. Captain Eric Mohabarak joins us. And, Eric, this being, uh, let's see, first week in May, that'll be next week, there'll be a demo day. Tell us where that's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be right out in front of the Deutsches House on the Moss Street. I think seven oh one. Don't quote me on the address, but it's it's right in front of on Bayou St. John, and uh, you can't miss it. It's a big, beautiful building. They'll have the tent set up out under the bayou and everything with all the kayaks laid out. It's uh, basically uh, about two blocks from Esplanade going north towards the lake. Eric, I heard you were fishing a spot called the Blue Hole. 
And this yeah, one of our theme songs has mentions that. Where exactly is that, and what were you doing there? Oh, well, I forgot where it was at, Don. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we were, I was uh, out there searching for some bass and redfish. Uh, it's it's been it's been a tough fishing. Um, you know, of course, the wind is uh, blowing. You know, today it's blowing another fifteen miles an hour, if not better. Uh, and uh, it's just been real tough over on, on, on the other side of the, the, the river. And um, but it, but you know, I caught a few fish, but nothing much. Uh, ended up rescuing a boater, bringing him back into the uh, marina, which is you always got to help out a, 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 a fellow fisher person. And uh, it's, it's been it's been pretty interesting fishing. Um, as far as things go, uh, Port Salford's been doing uh, you know pretty good when you can get to where you need to get to you know uh been catching almost limits of trout and the red fishing's been a little off just like on the uh on the other side of the river it's just i just don't know if the fish know what to do and like if they're 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 not out of that transition period yet um i haven't quite figured it out because it's not setting up i'm having trouble setting a pattern on what the what the fish are doing uh, Eric, uh, we got a, a tournament coming up, the Where You At tournament. Explain what that is and how can people get more information and sign up if they'd like to fish it. Yeah, well, you can go to Bayou Coast Kayak Club uh, uh, website. Uh, and the Where You At is this year it is uh, two reds and two bass. Of course, the two largest of both species win. They also have a, a big fish uh, award uh, for uh you know, the big red and the bass, so that's something else you can enter in. But all your information will be found on the club's website there. Um, so it, it's a pretty fun tournament. And that is on the 8th of May. So it should be interesting. And I believe they announced that the weigh-in will be at the, oh, the sandwich shop right down there. I can't remember the name of it. The last stop, maybe? Um, and, and right there about a stop, sorry. But, uh Anyway, it's another tournament. Then uh, I forgot to mention to you, too, also, Don, that the Lafayette Club is having one on May 1st, uh, and that's a slam tournament called the Cajun Castaway Tournament, and that will be on in Cameron and Calcasieu. Got it. Now, that weigh-in is going to be – this is going to be getting back to real weigh-ins where you actually – bring the fish in and put them in a scale. It's not a catch photo and release that, you know, we've been having to do due to COVID. You are correct. Yep. It will be a real weigh-in where you go actually uh, weigh in your fish, you know. And the nice thing about that is, uh, you know, everybody wear their mask and stuff still, but you get, you'll get to see some of the people you haven't seen, you know, some people who live maybe in the northern part of the state or out of state that will be able to come in town and enjoy it now. Now, uh, looking down the road a little bit in October, uh, tell us about the Hobie World's Qualifying Tournament, where that will be. Yeah, that will be held at Bridgeside Marina, and uh, it's going to be a several-day event. It's going to go Thursday through Saturday, but the main tournament is on Saturday. And it'll be a slam tournament again, you know, redfish, speckled trout, uh, flounder. And it's just incredible. They got they lining up bands and 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 they got prizes from one end to the other. Of course, they'll be giving away Hobie kayaks, 
Uh, I believe Hobie's going to be down there with that big trailer and everything. I'm not sure on that. Don't quote me. Uh, but they, I know that the, 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 the club board members have been hard at work getting these things together. Uh, just just incredible, incredible stuff, you know. And uh, something else, too, for the people out of town, it's going to be a great time of year to come in because not only can you fish an outstanding tournament, but you got Jazz Fest. You can make a, a vacation out of it, actually. You know, so that's a, that's a real good thing that's going on. And uh, this is a big, big deal. This is this is basically an international deal. Uh, not international, but national deal. You know, we'll have people coming in, I'm sure, as far as from from – you know, West Texas and and, and, and and Florida and North Carolina and, and you know, just different play Tennessee. I know we got people coming in from Tennessee already, you know, but, but people from around the country, it's it's really gonna be a big 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 deal. If you've been if you've never seen how to how they put on the Hobie Hobie Worlds qualifiers, it it's something to to check out. Uh Eric, uh, you and Explore Kayak Louisiana, uh two of the few kayak fishing guides and you are listed with the rest of my pro staff members on my website if someone who wants to go fishing in a kayak they don't own one they want to learn the ropes of it uh, tell them how to get a hold of you because you've got a number of kayaks and you could take a nice little group out there yeah well i got the louisiana kayak company and you can find me on your website like you said or you can find me on facebook or instagram my phone number is uh 504-313-8292 Eric, before you go, do you really want me to let Martha know that your Weber cooks better than her pit boss? Do you really want me to let her know that? Well, I think she knows already, Darren. You know how she is. You know she's gonna she's gonna call you out on this one, and it's gonna be a challenge. And I tell you what, I'll be the judge. Y'all both cook on each other's grill, and I'll sample it, and we'll, we'll you know present an award to the winner. All right. Well, all I can say is bring it on, Don. Bring it on. I'm ready for it. I got you. Thanks, Eric. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. You too. Have fun. Bye-bye. All right. We come back after this. Uh, It's bad boy time. Uh, Last week I gave you a choice of which one you wanted to hear, and you chose the local guy who kicked the Anhanger bird in Laplace. This week, the elephant seal killer. Guy from Utah went to California and took the life of an elephant seal. He was busted. We'll tell you his crime and his time right after this pause. If you are an offshore fisherman and you enjoy catching amberjack, uh, a.k.a. rig donkeys, and you can imagine why they're called that, uh, the season's going to open next week in the Gulf. On May 1st, and will run through the end of the month, May 31st, for recreational fishermen, the minimum size is a 34-inch fork length, There's only one fish per person allowed, and the next season after the closure will begin on August 1st. So if you're ready for some amberjack, they're ready for you. Also, I had a question texted in, uh, Louisiana red snapper season, if the charter boat's now offshore to license with holders of reef permits, June 1st until August the 3rd. All right, I also got the Alabama seasons. I'll get to those later, but right now we're going to pause 10 seconds for a station identification break. When I come back, it's bad boy of the outdoors time. Stay with us. We're back after our local stations tell you who they are and where they are along the outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. Well, the northern elephant seal is a massive animal that you find along North America's Pacific coast. 
They are protected species under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. And if you've ever seen them, they lay out on the beach areas known as rookeries, kind of like a big fat tourist. Well, according to prosecutors, Jordan Gerbich drove to an elephant seal viewing area near the Piedras Blancas Marine Reserve and the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary in California. This was back in September of 2019. But instead of admiring and photographing a particular specimen, he used a 45 caliber pistol to shoot the elephant seal, which was found the next day with a bullet hole in the head and its tail fins cut off and its chest cavity open. While admitting he knew it was wrong, but he couldn't tell the court why he did it, after pleading guilty to the illegal act, a federal judge handed down a sentence of a $1,000 fine, a year of supervised release after a three-month prison term, plus 120 hours of community service to 30-year-old Jordan Gerbich of Utah, our bad boy of the outdoors. I got to believe there's something uh, religious or something to deal with the cutting off the fins and cutting it open, but... uh, you know, kind of a light fine for a protected mammal species, but boy, that three-month prison term, that ain't easy to swallow. Well, we're going to have some more bad boys for you. Got a whole list of them I found out about this week, and we have one each and every week. All right, uh, going to get to some text messages that come in. Uh, let's see. Here's one that says the Texas spices are going to help my voice. Tacos and jalapeno. I had some of those, and I found a new hot sauce uh, Really enjoy too while I was out at R and O Outfitters. Let's see. Uh, here's uh, David Hubble says it's raining cats and dogs in Alabama. Not much activity going on. And here's one that's uh, with regard to our discussion on the pogie boats. They should make them fish in the depth of water that is needed for the draft of the vessel. If it needs 13 feet for the vessel, then that's the shallows. Well, the problem with that, as Darrell was explaining, they actually bore trenches into shallow water to allow transport in and out and they are actually in shallower water than that but they make their own channels so to speak all right uh, here's one that says um let's see oh it's one they had another argument we have a new name the biologist a new handle he said that uh another thought about the reason why the pogey industry needs to be further regulated is because that a large population of pogies reduces the dead zone because they filter out the algae and convert it to biomass. Logical argument. Thank you for your comment. Got some more text. We'll try to get to those, but right now we're going to take a quick three-minute pause. We come back. Ryan Lambert joins us. We call him the Plastic Man. He's back after this timeout. What would Ryan Lambert do without plastic if it had never been invented? I guess he'd have to either use live bait or maybe make a wooden bait. He could carve it, put some hooks in it, or maybe a steel bait. I don't know. Ryan, are you satisfied with the plastic bait you got? That's good enough for you, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. I mean, I could throw a spoon if I had to. I like spinner baits. I like topwater baits, but they're plastic too, huh? <laughs> I don't know. It's just just me. <laughs> well, I hope they don't make it. I hope they don't make us go to plastic shotgun shell pellets. That that won't work too well. Oh well, you know we talked about <laughs> steel when they first put steel out, but yet it, it turned into where you can hit them pretty good and kill them. You know, it's a lot better. Yeah, than it, it took them a while. 
took them a while to perfect it, but you know, we we I think part of that is we forget how effective and good it is with lead because it's been no, so I long don't. since we shot them. Those shooters in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they use it down incredible. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll you don't tell even you, have three inch shells. Everything's two and three quarter inch shells. You don't even have three inch shells down there, and it's still incredible. Yeah, just, two and three quarter number four was always a devastating load for waterfowl. Yeah, well, Ryan, we've been we've been uh, we've been chatting about the uh, the pogey boat issue. We got some bills in the legislature which would uh, create a, an exclusion zone a half a mile from the shore. The other bill is a quarter mile. I know you've seen some of the the damage that's been done and kind of deal with them. What, what do you think about it? Is it fair to the industry to put a further regulation in and make them fish a little further off the coast? I don't see what what the difference is there out there most of the time anyhow off the coast you know so you know it's they'll they'll they come in and and they'll get right where we're fishing a lot of times I mean I've seen them get fishing closer than where I was I mean where the boats were just kicking up mud everywhere you know the little boats not the big boats the catch boats but um you know most of the time they're further offshore so I don't I don't see what the issue is with them staying out there you know it's 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 just a matter of don't come in the bay where, where everybody's fishing and run boats off. You know, if they were to use common sense long ago and not just surround boats or, or run them away from where they're fishing, all this wouldn't have probably come up. But, you know, also the, the the dead redfish all over the beach all the time. You know, it's not bull reds, too. You know, that's one bull red could put out a, a million eggs. So, you know, it's just a bad deal. Yeah, I, I, I hate that, but. You know, it, you got to do it right, you know, and that goes for everybody. Don't just stick a redfish and throw him out the net with a hook or something, you know. It's, they, Everybody needs to be responsible for, for everything out there, and, and apparently they're not. You know, that's what happened with the gill netters. They were leaving the nets out, and you'd come across a net full of dead fish. And no big deal. They'd just dump them out and do what they got to do. Well, it's not the way it works. If I, if I take a fish and kill it and throw it back in the water, I get fine just the same. Yeah. Well, Ryan, how's fishing been for you guys down there in Plaquemines? The redfish have been good. The boys have been doing really good every day. You know, shrimp on the cork, shrimp on the bottom, just shrimp, shrimp, shrimp. Because it's the weather has been three weeks of brutal. It looks like a photo shoot down here with all the lightning that we've had. This week hasn't been so bad with the lightning as the last two. But the winds have been horrendous. And this week we're going to have gusts to 30 again, like, uh, Wednesday, Thursday is, you know, th- Thursday, Friday is going to be gusting to 35 miles an hour again. So it just it just makes it difficult for a plastic fisherman such as myself to find some clean water. The aquatic vegetation is growing really uh, rapidly now. It started up. I went into uh, the diversion yesterday and to take some people out to show them, and, and the hydrilla is really starting to break the top. So that's real good. That'll help start clearing the water up. The, the river's dropping. Uh, it's dropped to 13.7, and it's going to drop, you know, three inches a day. And, you know, by this time next month, it'll be 10 foot again. So 10 foot is manageable. So, you know, those fish will start moving toward that. And when it hits the seven, oh, man, everything starts heading toward the river. So. You know, the bait will start pouring in, the bull reds will start pouring in, and we'll have a great summer if this thing comes down right. Have they got any really long-range projections like late into the summer? Because I can recall years ago you and I in the river catching some beautiful saltwater fish when it does that, you know, 
backwater surge type action. Uh, is anything like that predicted, or is it too early to tell? I only have a 28-day outlook, you know, because you don't know what rain's going to come. Uh, they know how much snow's up there, but you don't know what kind of rain events you'll get pulled pulled down on us. But uh, the last time that I got to fish speckled trout in the river, uh, this far up river, I mean, you could do it way down river sometimes, but was uh, 2012, December 18, 2012 was my last time because all the locks and dams throughout the United States are full of sediment now, and there's nowhere to put the water, so it just keeps coming. They just they have to pass it on because, you know, it's, it's just the way it is nowadays. Uh, they have to kind of maybe get rid of a few locks and dams and, Get rid of all that sediment up there. They should have put sediment doors in those dams before when they built them. You know, it's, it's always hindsight. There's no, no forward looking when they build those things. Just like when they built the levees, they didn't think they was going to ruin Louisiana. <laughs> mm. So it's just you got to learn and learn by your mistakes. Well, Ryan, I, I know I can I can feel this sense of uh, anxiety and enthusiasm with uh, more people being vaccinated and the COVID rates dropping. Uh, is your phone still ringing off the hook? People looking for, you know, late spring and summertime trips coming in from out of state? Yeah, we are, we are, we are slammed. This is the best April that we've ever had. And I've been doing this 43 years, and this is the best April I've had. So May is, gonna be, is totally booked up, uh, and, and the rest of the summer starting to book. The duck season is almost booked already. You know, it's it's crazy. And now January, albeit January, I won't be able to hunt 20 days in January because of negative tides. So, you know, if it goes under negative 0.5 to negative 1.2, I can't get to my blinds and, and the ducks will be offshore. So there's no sense in booking it if you can't give people a good hunt. So I just won't book those dates. So I'll go to Mexico. 43 years. Do you have any videos or photos when you started being a captain at seven years old? I'd like to see those. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I tell you what, <laughs> all this wisdom didn't come just because I'm smart. It's just because I had to live a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Ryan, always a pleasure chatting with you, my friend. Take care. We'll catch up with you again next week. You're sounding a lot better, my friend. I appreciate you. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. All right, check him out, CajunFishingAdventures.com. Or if you're driving down Highway 23, look for the crop of palm trees. He's got he's got palm trees growing on his property like some people have grass. I mean, it's like a forest. All right, we come back after this. So those who have been waiting for the Alabama Red Snapper season dates, I got that for you. Try to get to as many text messages as I can, and then it's time to say goodbye. We'll be right back from 7F Lodge in College Station, Texas. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque. Radio Network. All right, the Alabama red snapper seasons have been set for both state and federal waters, for private recreational boats, and for those charter guides who do not hold federal offshore permits. Friday, May 28th, opens it up, and there will be continuous four-day weekends from Friday to Monday until the harvest quota is met, and that state waters in Alabama applies to nine miles out. Uh, For federally licensed charters, they have a 63-day season, same as Louisiana and the other states. That's June 1st to August 3rd if you want to book an offshore charter. The limit again this year is two red snapper per person per day, and they do have to be 16-inch minimum size. 
And don't forget you also, in addition to your saltwater and, and basic fishing licenses, you need a freshwater, I'm sorry, a saltwater angler registration. It is actually free. Uh, go to Alabama Wildlife and Fisheries website, and you can find information on that. All right, let me catch up on some text messages before we sign off. All right, here's one that says, finally, something done about damage from Popeye boats. What has taken so dang long? Going on 50 years destruction of fisheries. It's not news. And uh, that is pogey boats rather than Popeye's boats. That's from a Baton Rouge lister. Uh, we also have this one that says, uh, let's see. I doubt, oh, that was, we already got that one. And also about the Texas spices. Uh, let's see. Someone wants to lock me up. <laughs> let's see. Dixie Ranch checking in. They're watching some new deer move around. Boy, they never get deer hunting off the mine. Uh, here's one that says, there's a, there is a lot of bycatch. My son used to work on a pokey boat. Well, the question is, uh, is it an allowable amount of bycatch? Uh, the data that they're operating off of is, is old and things change, conditions change, and it may be needed to look at it again. But uh, they're not talking about changing the uh, bycatch that's allowable. They're talking about the areas where the activity goes on and given a, a half mile from the shoreline uh, an exclusion. All right, now here's somebody says, how about them tigers last night? Don't know what you're talking about. They don't do that over here in Aggieland. They don't give you any LSU information. Somebody please fill me in. Uh, let's see. Oh, here it is. They beat Ole Miss 7-2. to Great. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got coming in. All right. That's about going to do it. Uh, oh, yeah. I have the, someone wanted to know about Louisiana's red snapper season. It starts the Friday before Memorial Day and then will continue on those weekends only. Uh, until the harvest quota is met. And, of course, that's when you sign up and get your ROLP, your Recreational Offshore Landing Permit, uh, that gives them that instantaneous information because there's reporting that's done. They take surveys, and they come very close to estimating when they reach that quota because if you go over the quota, they penalize your catch for the next year. If you go under, they can actually extend it past the the closure date. So I got to tell you, red snapper is the most highly regulated and, and looked at species in the history of mankind. And uh, I don't think we're going to see that end anytime soon. It's a great fish, great fish to catch, great fish to eat, beautiful red snapper. And uh, the Gulf is, is full of them. All right. Well, we're going to be wrapping up here in, uh, from 7F Lodge. Uh, we got a wedding to attend here tonight. Uh, i got to tell you this, no real turkeys were harmed in the making of our Bayou Wild TV episode. Don't forget to tune it in. Go to BayouWildTV.com. You can find all the channel listings, the times, and the dates where it airs. And you've always got BayouWildTV.com on YouTube. You can watch it where you are, wherever you are, whenever you like. So that's going to wrap it up today from the 7F Lodge. Google this place. I think you'll find it fascinating. It's very unique. Don't think there's many places like this in the whole country where you can come and get your group together and enjoy individual cabins in a site a setting with a lot of wildlife in it. All right. See you next week. We'll be back again from the St. Hubert's Cathedral. Same old thing. We'll talk more about the hunting, the fishing, stuff you and I love to talk about. We're going to keep some eye on those two issues that the legislature is dealing with and maybe some more increasing license fees for hunters and fishermen and also how this pokey boat exclusion zone bill turns out have a great weekend stay safe and we'll see you next week with another edition of the outdoors with don dubuque radio network 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.